You're listening to a podcast on Catholic Saints. This podcast is produced by the Augustan Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. I'm Tim Gray, president of the Augustan Institute, and joining me is Dr. Scott Heffelfinger, who's a professor, moral professor of theology here. And uh, we're going to talk to you about the topic of forgiveness and how appropriate, because today is the Feast of St. Maria Goretti. And so uh, there's a lot of forgiveness in that story, right? So we just dive in. Let's talk about forgiveness, Scott. And of course, we could just start with St. Maria. Yeah, she's a beautiful saint, so very young, um, a martyr. And basically, the story of St. Maria Goretti is she was born in 1890 um, into a poor family. Her father was a farmer, an attendant farmer, and so they ended up losing their farm and having to share a farm with another family that they lived with in a large building. Um, And her father then died when Maria was only nine. He died of malaria. Um, And Maria's tasks in the household then became to care for the household, to watch her baby sister, Teresa, um, while her mother and other siblings were out working in the field, trying to, you know, make ends meet for a very poor family. And in Maria's time there, um, the neighbor that she lived with, this other family they were living with, uh, one of the sons, Alessandro, had taken an interest in Maria. And he later talked about how he was swayed by the culture of the world, the impurity of this culture. And so he made inappropriate advances uh, towards Maria Goretti. And she turned him down and he was upset by this and ended up, you know, it's a, it's a grisly story, so not for delicate ears here. Um, he ended up stabbing her uh, because she said, I would rather die than commit this impurity, this sin against chastity with you. Um, she went to the hospital and only lived for 24 more hours. But in those 24 hours, we see a beautiful testament to forgiveness, to love. She uh, was lovingly attentive to her mother's needs in the hospital while her mother was there caring for her. She said that she forgave Alessandro. And not only that, she hoped that he would join her one day in heaven. And so this beautiful testament to forgiveness is what she uh, gives us before she dies. The story then continues after she dies because Alessandro went to jail. And in the first three years that he was in jail, he had a terrible time. He struggled from depression. He was unrepentant um, until finally after about three years, he had a vision where Maria appeared to him, let him know of her forgiveness and invited him to conversion. And at that point, he suddenly found his peace. He decided to change his life. He lived out the rest of that um, incarceration uh, willingly embracing that punishment. And the first thing he did after he got out after 30 years was to ask Maria's mother for forgiveness, so the cycle of forgiveness. And when Maria was later beatified and canonized, he was there present to celebrate um, what Maria, whom he called his little guardian angel in heaven. So Maria's story is a story of martyrdom. It's a story of uh, great love and great forgiveness in the face of, of evil. So she's a beautiful example of purity, a beautiful example of Christian forgiveness for all of us. It is a beautiful story of forgiveness, and it's so, so inspiring. And I love that the church has canonized her and given her this feast day. And I, I think Holy Mother Church in her wisdom knows that we need this example to be brought back to us again and again so that we can encourage to forgive those that we need to forgive, right? And so I, I think of 
uh, Saint Maria Gretti is just this great witness to who do you have a grudge? You know, who has wronged you? Who has wronged you? Who has hurt you or hurt someone that you love and that you're angry? And you're angry at them and you very much dislike them. And I think the Lord is saying, you need to forgive them and pray for them. And then the beautiful thing is, here is, you know, Alessandra who is an enemy, you know, and because of her prayers and love and forgiveness, he ends up converting. And I, I, it just reminds me of the story of St. Paul who oversees the execution uh, when he was Saul uh, of St. Stephen, the first martyr. And Stephen says, as he's dying, Father, forgive them, right? So he, so Stephen prays this prayer as he's dying of forgiving his enemy, and Saul, who is the mastermind leading this execution of Stephen, Saul then gets the grace later on to convert and become St. Paul. And what would we be without St. Paul? I mean, this incredible conversion story. So it's a, the, what forgiveness does in unleashing grace is one of the most powerful forces for unleashing the grace of God in the world today. And so if you want to bring down grace in your life and the life of those around you, the most, one of the most powerful means you have to bring down a reign of God's grace is to forgive somebody. Unconditionally forgive them. Just forgive them. You know, not with them coming and saying, I'm sorry, I want to make amends. No, for you to unilaterally forgive them. That is what, you know, uh, Maria does. And that's what St. Uh, Stephen did. And that kind of unil unilateral, unconditional forgiveness is so powerful. It is. It's so powerful. You know, I, I think about how sometimes we can think that the Christian faith is uh, focused on, on sin, right? Sin does play a prominent role, and we have to have a realistic awareness of it. But it's also good to step back and realize that what we profess in the creed is actually the forgiveness of sins. Um, it's not that we focus on sin. Sin is actually something that we didn't need Revelation to tell us about. We, we all know wrongdoing. It happens. Um, Revelation certainly tells us more about that and the origins of that and the extent, but wrongdoing simply happens. But what Revelation tells us and what we find in the creed is that we believe in the forgiveness of sins, that unleashing of grace that begins with God forgiving us. Why do we make the first move to forgive others? Why are we invited and called to do that? Because God made the first move to forgive us, to send his only son to dwell among us, to die for our sins. To, in, in this way, God forgives us. So that's really, I think, our, our model there. And, and St. Maria presents that by preemptively mm -hmm. forgiving Alessandro. And in that way, uh, interceding for him once she's in heaven, we assume, so that he could experience God's grace, that unleashing of grace through forgiveness, um, and then join her hopefully one day uh, in heaven. I didn't mention earlier too that he actually lived, um, after he got out of prison, he joined um, a Franciscan community as a lay Franciscan to live out the rest of his life in humble service as a, as a lay member doing the gardening and the menial labor. This was his way of trying to make reparation for what he realized was a great wrong. And he embraced this joyfully and out of love um, because Maria had forgiven him and because he was learning to accept that forgiveness and to, to show it to others as well. Uh, you know, I love you use the word preemptive, you know, and, and in military terms, a preemptive strike is a very powerful strike, right? 
Well, we, we have spiritual warfare here, and we need to take a preemptive strike against the devil and against sin and, and the enemy. And one of the ways we can have a preemptive strike is forgiving people bef before they come and ask for forgiveness, right? And forgiving them in, in our hearts. Uh, it's a powerful thing. It's a very hard thing, though. And, uh, and I know for a lot of you, you can think about somebody that, you know, you've had a hard time forgiving. And I, I remember, you know, one of the programs we have here at the Augusta Institute, which I love, is, is a video series on the sacrament of reconciliation and making confession. And we called the program Forgiven because the whole point is that God has, as you said, Scott, forgiven us. And so the program, which is called Forgiven, and we have, we have a priest, Alb, with the, uh, for the, the sacrament of confession here. But uh, it, it's such a powerful, it's three parts, and it, it really tells the story about God's forgiving us and then how we get forgiven when we go to the sacrament of reconciliation and then how we are to become forgivers now that we are forgiven. And I'll never forget, right after we, we released this series, I was up um, in Minnesota and met with this wonderful woman who the priest said she, she really wants to thank you for Formed and what you guys are doing. And so, um, so I, I, I met with her and she said she was, she was in her 90s and she said, I've watched, for, I just, I've watched Forgiven. And she goes, I want you to know it had a very big impact on me. And I, and I said, well, how? And she said, well, she's like, I had a very hard father. He was a very tough and sometimes bad man. And all my life, uh, I could not forgive him. And I watched Forgiven, and I realized God was asking me to forgive my father. And she got teary-eyed. She started to choke up a little bit, and she goes, for the first time in my life, uh, I forgave my father. And she goes, I can't tell you, I can't thank you enough for forgiving. And then I started to go, she goes, and it had been, she said, 30 years since I went to confession. And I've been, and she's been going to daily mass and rosary and very devout, but she hadn't gone to confession. And I think it's because she couldn't forgive in her heart, her father. And so it was hard for her to ask God for forgiveness because she hadn't forgiven. And I, it, it, it hit me then, she taught me that one of the great stumbling blocks people have in going to confession and asking God to forgive them or believing that God can forgive them is that they haven't forgiven somebody in their life. And so one of the beautiful things, Scott, she told me, she said, she then went to confession and she said, and then I went to confession the next month and I've been going almost every, every few months. She was like, I've gone more confessions in the last year than in my whole life, right? And she said it was all because of forgiven. God bless her soul. And she, she just was such a powerful witness. And by the way, Forgiven is on the Forum platform. So for all of you who have Forum, you can get it free and you can watch Forgiven. It's so powerful. And if you haven't made confession, episode three walks you through how to make a confession and why you shouldn't be afraid to go back to confession if it's been a decade, 20 years, 30 years, or how many years. It walks you through it. And it's so beautiful and, and inspiring. But you know, I think people sometimes have a hard time believing that God can forgive them because they haven't forgiven somebody. Yeah, I think that's right. And um, I remember when I, the first time I watched Forgiven, somebody recommended it to me and they said, you'll want to have a box of tissues next to you when you watch that. <laughs> and I thought, well, come on. Uh, but I needed one. It was, it's really beautiful um, and it's, it is so good to be reminded of the greatness of God's mercy and what it means to be forgiven by God. And, you know, in Jesus' 
own teaching, we have you know, this beautiful prayer in Matthew's Gospel and Luke's Gospel, um, the Our Father. And one of the petitions in the Our Father is forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And you know, we say this every time we're at Mass, we probably pray this you know, maybe daily in our, in our own daily personal prayer. Um, but when the fathers of the church reflect on the petitions in the Our Father, um, what you find in a lot of them is they say, well, look at the beginning of the prayer. This is almost shocking, right, that we can call God Father. And then they trace this trajectory and they sort of say, but it's even more shocking when you get to this petition. Why? Because something is reversed here, right? It's almost like saying God should do as we do. Usually it's we should do as God does. And Jesus tells us, love one another as I have loved you. But in the Our Father, it's uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So there's just this, this profound connection between, as you said, Tim, realizing that we have been forgiven and extending forgiveness to others, but also the other way around, extending forgiveness to others as a way to appreciate even more what it means to be forgiven by Jesus Christ. I've never thought of it that way, Scott, that the, our Father is asking us, asking God to do what we do. It's, it is a reversal of, of the normal expectation. I love that reversal that you highlight. And then I, I also, you know, that, that, that verse in there, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In other words, we're asking God too. There's a little bit of a, you know, that's a, it's a tough clause in there because we're saying, forgive me, God, to the extent that I forgive others. Mm -hmm. So if I don't forgive others, then I really can't expect God's forgiveness. And that's frightening, but, but, but it's also a wake-up call, you know? We can't not forgive. And no matter how, no matter what the crime is, no matter what the, uh, the wrong is that someone's done, we've got, to free, we've, got to, we've got to have that freedom of heart to forgive them. And uh, that doesn't mean that we just forgive and forget in the sense of, all right, you know, someone who's a, a you know, abuser or, a, you know, and we're going to forget that they've done these bads and, and put others at risk. It means that we're not going to have anger and hatred uh, in our hearts, that we're going to have mercy and we're going to forgive them and love them and wish them the good, right? Wish them to, to, to be good. And I think that's really important. I think people sometimes, Scott, struggle with, what does it mean to forgive somebody? So let's talk about that. Yeah, and, and you know, with forgiveness, it's, it's not easy. I mean, as you're saying, it doesn't mean we can just blow something off or just brush it off. And sometimes, you know, we can be really hurt, and that's normal and fine. In the Catechism, as you were talking, Tim, it reminded me, and this, this gets at, you know, what forgiveness is. Um, the Catechism, in one part where it's talking about forgiveness, and this is in the section on prayer, the Our Father in this petition, um, it has a, a very human and beautiful uh, read on this, this difficult problem of how do I forgive something that, that really hurts, right? Do I just have to smile at this person and immediately be lovey-dovey with them? And the Catechism has a very human and balanced treatment. It, it kind of mentions, and this is in 2843, it says, it is not in our power not to feel or to forget an offense, but the heart that offers itself to the Holy Spirit turns injury into compassion and purifies the memory in transforming the hurt into intercession. And so I think what the Catechism is highlighting here is sometimes those wounds in our heart, it just takes time to heal, like a natural wound. We can't speed up that process. But what, what can we do in the case of being really hurt? To give forgiveness, as you mentioned to him, means 
to will the good of another. And to will the good of another means to pray for them, right? To intercede for them. If someone seems um, unaffected by the wrong that they've done to us, that can be really hard. If they seem unrepentant, that can be really hard. And so we want to be able to pray for them, that they can come to see the wrong that they've done, not in a vindictive way like, oh, I want you to know that I, I, I know it was wrong and I'm right and you're wrong, but rather in a way that they can see the wrong that they did in order to be uh, contrite, in order to have contrition for that wrong and to accept forgiveness from, from us and also, even more importantly, from God. And, you know, to go back to St. Maria Goretti, she shows this, right, that uh, forgiving someone is not just a mere kind of verbal gesture, like, oh, I'll say it and then I'm done with it. Forgiving someone means loving them and willing their good, and that's exactly what she did. She forgave Alessandro, and she willed his good by saying, I hope that he can be with me in heaven one day. She forgave him and wished him the highest possible good, eternal life. You know, so forgiveness, I think, is healing in that way, even though it can take time, and we shouldn't expect an immediate uh, you know, healing of a wound that could be very deep in, in the heart. I think that's wise to, to temper that. It's not going to be it's hitting a switch that you're over it and that you're not hurt, and yet you still want to love that person. And I think, you know, I, I just remember back to when I was much younger and uh, in college, and somebody hurt somebody who I, I cared for and, and, and was close to, and I was so angry at that person, and I let that anger really move into hatred. and. Uh, and really seeking the harm of this other person, right? As kind of vengeance or vindictiveness. And I look back at that and what, what a dark time for my heart and for my soul spiritually. One of the darkest times in my life. And, and it's amazing for us, you know, it's such a temptation the devil has. You know, in Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, um, in chapter five, he talks about, you know, you've heard that it was said, you, you, know, um, you, should not, you know, you should not kill, I say to you, do not be angry with your brother. And if you're angry with your brother and you go to the altar, leave your sacrifice there and be reconciled with your brother. And of course, it's probably an allusion to Cain and Abel. You know, uh, Cain is angry with his brother and he goes to make an offering to God and he doesn't reconcile with his brother. And then he ends up, that anger turns into hatred, which turns into violence. And, uh, and, and that's what sin is like. Sin is a cycle that it grows and it becomes, it gains momentum. And if we keep feeding uh, sin, it grows into a beast that uh, we can't control and it does bad things. And, and you see that with Alessandro who, you know, fed that sin, that vice until it over, overcame him. And, uh, and that's what we want, we want to overcome, but we want to have empathy for others. But I think the way of getting out of that cycle of anger, hatred, violence, is forgiveness. It breaks that cycle, and it's so powerful. Yeah, and I think that goes back as well to the point that you were making earlier about um, appreciating God's forgiveness, because when we mm. confess in the creed um, that we believe in the forgiveness of sins, God is always ready to extend forgiveness. The challenge is for us to accept that, and there are, in a certain way, there are conditions of accepting it, right? We have to acknowledge that we have sinned, right? If we don't know that we have sinned, if we refuse to acknowledge that, we can't accept forgiveness. And so to appreciate that we have fallen short um, and that nevertheless God extends his mercy to us, this is the precondition for being able to look at others and to realize 
I'm also a sinner. So in a certain way, we yeah. could say, you know, what do I have over you to not extend forgiveness? If God has been so quick to extend forgiveness to me, to love me, how can I not do likewise? Um, it's like, you know, in, in Matthew's Gospel, you're just talking about the Sermon on the Mount, and then later in chapter 18, we have the, the parable of the, um, the unforgiving steward. Yeah. And it's almost a commentary on, on some of this, where the steward uh, has his debts um, forgiven, he goes out and holds another to a debt, and he comes back and the master says, what have you done? I forgave a huge debt and you didn't forgive a small debt. And that's yeah. an example of how we stand before God and before others. Yeah, our Lord gives such a powerful teaching there and it reinforces exactly what you said, which I, I think is so important, that the foundation of our ability to forgive is to recognize that we're forgiven. And I think if we don't walk in that, you know, if you don't go to confession on a regular basis, if we don't reflect on Christ's love for us, um, and that's why I think doing the Stations of the Cross every Friday, or uh, it just reminds us what Jesus suffered to forgive us our sins. And as we, the more we know and meditate on Jesus' forgiveness of us and what it cost him, uh, the, the easier it'll be for us to forgive others and to have empathy and to extend that forgiveness to others. And that's a great, that parable in Matthew 18 is such a great story because you know, the, this guy owes a great, a huge, vast amount. I mean, it would be millions of dollars in our monetary, and he's forgiven that. And then he turns around and takes somebody who owes him something, which is far less, you know, say $5,000 or $10,000, and he has him thrown into debtor's prison. Uh, and he's merciless after just receiving mercy. And Jesus is highlighting it. This exactly, this is a point you highlighted, Scott, exactly. And that is, we've got to recognize how much we've been forgiven, and then it will be easier for us to forgive. So if it's hard for you to forgive, you probably need to reflect on what Jesus did to suffer and die to forgive you of your sins. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's hard for all of us, I think, in a lot of ways to forgive. Um, it, it, I think in some ways our natural reaction, right, when someone hurts us, is uh, to to lash out maybe, mm -hmm. or to or maybe some of us don't tend towards you know lashing out, but instead we we harbor that within you know, and we're just sort of quiet and we just brood on it. Um, but like you said in that passage about anger, when that anger grows, anger is what's called a capital vice, and that means it's one of these vices that um, leads to many other sins. Envy is one also, and that comes into play with Cain and Abel. Lust is another one that came into play in St. Maria Goretti's story. Um, anger is another. So if we harbor um, these wrongdoings and we don't uh, have forgiveness, then we're, we're hardened. And uh, our own love dies within us, in fact. And so this is why we are invited to forgive. This is why we go to the sacrament of reconciliation, of penance, in order to be forgiven. And going to the sacrament regularly is, is so liberating. It's liberating to realize that God has forgiven us and that frees us up to show love and forgiveness to others. The more that we can reflect on how God has forgiven us and the Stations of the Cross and the price that Christ paid, um, the more aware we become of the goodness of God's forgiveness and wanting to share that with others, I think. Mm. Well, Scott, let's talk about Jesus at the toward, further in the Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. says that you've heard it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. And, but I say to you, Jesus says, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you and persecute you. you know? And uh, so Jesus gives this really radical call of loving our enemies. And generally, I think the, the, 
the default of any people is if there is rivalry between two nations, they each each nation will then demonize the other and hate that nation. You know, and um, and I, I think that that's that's pretty typical. And, and Jesus is saying we can't do that as Christians. You know, even if someone, even if a group hates us as Christians and persecutes us as Christians, we're still called to love and forgive them. And that's one of the more distinctive elements of Jesus' teaching, isn't it? It is, yeah. And it's, you know, it's a tough balance, I think, there, because when we think about um, persecution or, you know, if we take it down to the, a personal scale and, again, think of um, St. Maria Goretti and Alessandro as an enemy, loving the enemy certainly didn't mean condoning the wrongdoing that the enemy was doing, right? Yeah. Similarly, Christians don't have to sort of just lie down and do nothing about being persecuted. That's not what loving the enemy means. It means saying what is wrong, as St. Maria Goretti did, as we ought to do for those who might persecute us. We stand up for the truth. And in fact, standing up for the truth is part of that love. How do we love our enemies? Well, we love them by giving them the truth. But there's another side to that, which is that sometimes it involves suffering. Love can involve suffering and making sacrifices. And above all, it involves praying for the good of our enemies, praying for conversion, praying for grace, praying that we can one day be friends, that is, united in love, as St. Maria Goretti hoped that she would be united in love with Alessandro in heaven after his conversion. So loving our enemies, you know, doesn't mean just sort of doing nothing, mm -hmm. and it also doesn't mean uh, sort of hating them and being aggressive ag against them. It means standing up for the truth while being humble enough mm -hmm. to pray for our enemies, to pray for their good, and to work for their good concretely and actively. I remember when I was younger, a great spiritual director, a great priest told me to, uh, whenever I had trouble with somebody that I was disliking or not, not getting along with, he would always make me pray for them. And, uh, and it does soften your heart. I mean, it's just amazing. If you pray consistently for somebody, that grace gets into your heart and it softens your heart and you, you no longer harden your heart towards that person. It's really quite amazing, isn't it? It's, it's a powerful formula. That, that's a great practical tip here of if you want, you know, we, we've talked about a few things. I mean, one would be if you want uh, to forgive, you've got to recognize that you are forgiven, right? So that's one of the, and I think a lot of people don't believe uh, in addition to that, that God can forgive them. I think people struggle with, can God really forgive me? I was talking with a gentleman who's, who's very ill and in the hospital, and I was talking to him, he's probably towards the end of his life, and I was talking to him about God and heaven and, and for God's mercy and forgiveness, and he felt he hadn't lived a good life, and how could God, God love him and, and forgive him? And, uh, and it goes back to when there's people that you haven't forgiven, it's hard to accept that someone can forgive you and you have to kind of go through an inventory. If I don't trust that God forgives me, who have I not forgiven? And I, and I guarantee you, if you go through the list and forgive all those that you haven't really forgiven, you're going to be disposed to the grace of receiving this great gift of God that he can forgive you. I really think that's an important practical thing. Any, anything else you want to recommend for people and this struggle, this challenge of forgiveness? It's, it's not easy to forgive. Yeah, I think, I mean, my favorite tip is, is really just the one you mentioned about bringing someone um, before God in prayer. Because when you do that, when you intercede for someone who's wronged you, um, there's a certain way that, as I said, you, you kind of bring them with you before God and you're standing there 
before God together. And in that light, when we see how great God is and how we've all fallen short, there is something that begins to sort of soften the heart when it's very difficult. And, you know, the, the kind of one of the pinnacle moments in Christ's life was his dying on the cross to forgive us. And so forgiving another person is part of the imitation of Christ. It's simply mm. what we do if we want to be Christians. To be a Christian is to mm. be a follower, a disciple of Christ. And we can't do that if we don't learn to forgive. As hard as it is, um, yeah. we can do it with God's grace. Well, Scott, you take it back to the heart of the matter, and that is the imitation of Christ. And his forgiveness on the cross, every cross you look at, just remember Jesus forgave those who did that while they were doing it. And uh, what a remarkable witness and what a great inspiration for us to be forgivers because we follow the crucified Lord who forgave. And so we have to be conformed to the heart of Christ and we have to learn to forgive. And for, for Christians today, the culture is becoming much more hostile to us. Uh, the world that we live in in the West especially believes that Christians are probably bad and there is a, a growing animosity and hatred for us. And we have to be careful not to respond with anger and hostility and hatred for the people in the world. Even if they walk in darkness, we have to have compassion and mercy. Not to, we, of course, we have to speak the truth to them in love, that, the, that their life is oftentimes like abortion and things like that are wrong, but we also have to have empathy and love for them. And we can't return their hostility with hostility. And that's going to take prayer and constant closeness to Jesus Christ. He is our model and our example and our Lord. And we have to follow him, but to follow him faithfully, we have to follow him closely. So I hope that these, uh, these sessions and our conversation has helped you uh, to want to follow Jesus more closely, like St. Mary Maria Goretti did, and to have the power of forgiveness, because it unleashes grace. You'll be amazed. And finally, uh, I just want to thank all of you who support us in the mission circle. Uh, you make our mission possible, and so we're deeply grateful for you. Thank you so much for being a mission partner with us. God bless you. You can watch these interviews in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustan Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, eBooks, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustan Institute, please visit missioncircle.org.